Shamasee! Hello, 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 and welcome to Gateway to Anime. How are we all? What's happening? You know, I had every intention of joining in, but just didn't. Like, something what? stopped oh, we, me. We had no, like, expectation yeah. to join us that time because it was so beautiful last time. It's not, you know, you know just you live know. with that and move on. It's yeah, just quit while you're ahead. Life constantly disappoints everyone. Quit while you're ahead, like the genre that we're about to talk about <laughs> in this episode. <laughs> well, that's a nice segue. And let's jump into that. This week, we are talking about Isekai. Isekai, you ask. What's Isekai? Well, I'm glad you asked. Here is Isekai. The translation essentially is accidental travel. Generally revolves around a normal person from Earth being transported to, reborn, or otherwise trapped in a parallel universe. There are also reverse Isekai, where the inverse is the case. Like a character from a fantasy world gets transported to Earth. A few of those are The Devil is a Part-Timer, Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid, and World Trigger. In fact, the devil is a part-time is quite funny. It's oh, cool. Essentially, I this... didn't know they did it the other way around. Yeah. But yeah. they pretty much do everything, don't they? We've uh, come to establish. There's everything in this genre. There's so everything much. in anime. I don't, oh, I'm yeah. just talking about this genre. Like, oh, yeah. yeah. There's everything in anime and there's everything in isekai. It's, it's a whole thing. But essentially, some of the more famous technical isekais are things that we've already spoken about before. Now, Spirited Away, technically. He's an isekai. And of course, you've all watched that by now. Indeed. Because of last week's episode. There are so many things, just even in not even anime, that are isekai. Oh, yeah. Oh, like yeah. we talked about, like, Lightless most. in the wardrobe. Yeah. Alice in Wonderland. Harry Potter. He doesn't really know what's going on until. To a degree. Yeah. To a degree. To a degree. I think that Line the Witch Wardrobe is a great, perfect. Oh, yes. She literally walks through something yep. into another whole world. Whereas yep. Harry Potter, like, oh no, yeah, Harry he Potter. He goes into Diagon Alley. <laughs> yeah, but the world, like, has existed in the other world. It's sort of just hidden. Like, whereas this is, like, literally a parallel universe. But it's like, hidden yes. to him. Okay. All right. Semantics. Let us debate <laughs> this. Uh, there's also Enchanted, which is a reverse one, where yeah. the Disney princess ends up in the real world. That's right. It's not very good, but it's, it is that. It is a reverse isekai. So there you go. Well, the devil is a part-time is quite funny because essentially in his universe, he is the devil and trying to take over his world. And he ends up being transported to Earth where none of his powers exist. And the true horror that's thrust upon him is that of late-stage capitalism. So he has to get a job at a McDonald's. And What's it called? The McDonald's? It's like they try to avoid copyright. Yeah, it's like McDonald's. Yeah, something yeah, yeah. Like. It's, it's something really, it's really stupid. Really dumb, but really but good. He also sucks at the job. So that's what that whole joke is. And it's quite funny. But back onto what Isekai is. There are two distinct subgenres in Isekai. There's Isekai 10, transition into another world, and Isekai Tensei, which is reincarnation into another world. Now, the reincarnation versions have actually come along a bit later in the game, so they're a bit more, a bit more modern. I've often Later involved, in the game, he says. Oh yeah, so pardon the pun. They often involve the old meme, if you've been on any anime reddits, of truck-kuns. This is because trucks are often what hit and kill the main characters, which lead them to their reincarnation in their parallel world. Or an example like Konosuba, the protagonist gets killed by a tractor. It's a whole thing. Which is really, it's, it's actually really scary that, that that's the case because the last thing you want is for people to take that for road and just be like jumping out in front of trucks all the time. <laughs> I hope not. Hoping they go into another world. Well, let's, let's hope not. Often the other worlds are pretty horrifying though, so you never know. Mm, this Depending. Is true. But yeah, so the tropes in Isekai vary in that some main characters, well, most main characters in these shows possess some kind of great power specific only to them once they're transported into the new world. And the main characters are often sort of a, a chosen hero type thing. Now, the history is actually uh, in ancient Japanese literature, particularly the story of Urashima Taro, an old folktale about the fisherman Urashima Taro who saves a turtle and is then brought to a wondrous undersea kingdom. But the twist is that after ostensibly spending three or four days in this sea kingdom, he returns to his village only to discover that he has in fact been away for 300 years. So the tale was adapted into one of the earliest anime films, Seitaro Kitayama's Urashima Taro in 1918. Notable Western novels, of course, as we spoke like about. Sci-fi writing from, yeah. Yeah, that's, where, that's where it all began. And of course, you've got Peter Pan, Wonderful Wizard of Oz, Alice in Wonderland, Narnia, all the things that we've just spoken about. So this kind of Harry idea Potter. isn't... <laughs> of course, the Wizard of... Harry Potter is not one. I would date this. Of course, yeah. the Wizard of Oz. Absolutely. So this isn't new or fresh, but what is new or fresh is what we're about to talk about and how it's sort of molded and 
changed itself into what is current modern day isekai. But I mean, you can go back to some of the earlier isekais in anime, Aura Battle Dimbine in 1983, Mashin Hero Wataru 1988, NG Knight Ramune and 40 1990, Fushigi Yugi 1992, El Hazard 95, and of course, one we spoke about in the Shoju episode, which is straight up an isekai, Inuyasha 1996. Mm-hmm. So I mean, there's, there's- And you've seen all of those, right? Uh, no. <laughs> yeah, the first four, I was like, literally have never heard of those. Neither and did I. But they now are. we are shamed. We brought shame. Well we brought shame upon the Isekai podcast. We should go watch the OG. Oh, man. You know, those are the ones which are sort of regarded as such. But there was a big, big push in the 90s, actually, in the shoujo demographic, where it was the real first popular push. So, obviously, the ones that I mentioned, Fushigi Yugi, Far From Away, Shoujo, River. just remind me what Shoujo was Young again. Girls Demographic. Oh, okay. Yeah, that yeah, was so also in Yasha. Uh, no Basket one. Um, Fruits is Basket. Is that right? Fruits Basket. Fruits <laughs> Basket. Failed. Fruits Basket, not Kokoro Basket, the sport <laughs> one. Fruits Basket. Yeah. Mm. Um, actually, yeah, for, Sh- for Shugi Yugi, I've actually seen it. Um, mm. I used to love it. But that's interesting because that's actually transported back to just a historical time. She just yes. goes back in time. Yeah. There's not... A fa- it's not fantasy. It's that she like no. she's just there. I mean, the premise is obviously fantasy, but she just goes back to like feudal Japan. Yes, yes, and just absolutely. deals with life. Like it's kind of yeah, yeah. But it's sort of, of life, that was where it all sort of had its big kind of first push, right? In the nineties, in the in the shoujo demographic, which is quite interesting. It really became very very popular with a big show, which kind of came along and changed the game. Now, what do you understand about isekai? Is that Nowadays, in 2020, when we're doing this podcast, it is one of the densest genres in anime that you could possibly imagine. You, If you just go and Google isekai anime, the list that will come back at you will be overwhelming. It is crazy how much of it there is. And most isekai animes are adapted from light novels or web novels. Now, a light novel is the Japanese equivalent of a young adult novel. And they tend to be sort of shorter stories aimed at people in their late teens, early 20s. And it's only been relatively recently that light novels have been adapted into animes. And the the trend started in earnest in the late 90s, early 2000s with adaptions of things like Full Metal Panic, Dot Hack, and Shakugan no Shana. So this is where that all kind of began. And the light novel game is riddled, riddled with isekai. But how it all began with the uh, light novel dissemination, so to speak, was with the concept of Keitai. Keitai is the cell phone novel. So that rose to prominence in the early to mid-2000s. Chapters of Keitai would be disseminated via text. The process of independently writing, distributing your work via the internet so quickly and easily gained a lot of traction very quickly with light novel authors. This is how Sword Art Online was born. Reiki Kawahara wrote it as a web novel on his personal website. And this is the anime which changed the game and made Isekai what we know it to be today. Charlotte. Talk to us about the phenomenon that was and is Sword Art Online. Sword Art Online. I will just give a quick synopsis before I give just a just a bit of a small personal review of Sword Art Online. So in 2012, the anime actually aired. And I remember because it totally, as Sam said, changed the game. It was just the one that kind of, I think it hit in the West as well. Like people were big time. really keen. I've heard of it. Yeah. Oh, big time. And it's because, I'll give you those synopsis. All right. The year is 2022, which is actually not that far away. <laughs> uh, and Sword Art Online, a virtual reality massively multiplayer online role-playing game, so the abbreviation is VRMMORG, has just been launched. The game allows players to use headgear, which is known as nerve gear, to log into the game, which stimulates the user's five senses. So it's a virtual reality. So basically when they put the headgear on in the real world, they're transported completely to the game world. On the day of the launch, 10,000 players log in. And when they all go to log out, they realize that they can't. Stuck in this world, they're told that nobody will be able to leave until one player completes all 11 floors of the world. Removing the nerve gill in real life will kill you in real life and dying in the game will also kill you in real life. And Sword Art Online follows the protagonist, Carito, as he navigates the floors as one of the strongest and experienced players of the game because Carito was lucky enough to be a tester for the game. So he was in the beta player, player, which becomes a big thing in it. So, yeah, we basically follow this character as they try and navigate how they're going to complete these 100 floors. And it's interesting because it's such a good premise. And the first episode, the pilot of Sword Art Online, is so well done. 
it goes into there's like a great it's kind of a hard magic system at the start like there's lots of rules there's things that are happening my main kind of thing I was really interested in I was so sad they didn't go down the path of is there were people who just decided to leave the you know completing of the games to the bit more experience like guilds and that kind of thing and just set up life like making money doing shop things and just mm. like living in the yeah, village an economy yeah. yeah, no, and they honestly, that's really that's like... That's interesting. I was going to ask. It's a bit of a gamer, but I'd, I'd probably go and hide and let someone who knows what they're doing yeah. do it and give them my wares. You can live a relatively safe life if you just, you know, become just an everyday dude selling some apples and something in the end, <laughs> which sounds kind of sweet. And this show had so much promise because it was just so fun. And the thing is that obviously video games and fantasy video games are just so popular and everyone kind of dreams of being in that kind of world and the way that they did it, the way they set up the game, everything was really cool. But, oh, my God, there has never been a series that has gotten worse, like gotten bad so quickly. It had so much promise and then it just turned into the most formulaic, like it's a parody of itself at this point. It is. It is. Is it still going? Yeah. Oh, yeah, the new season's airing right now. So there are 100... 100 flaws, 100 episodes. Is that kind oh, of... Oh, no, 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 no. We won't. We, won't, we, won't, we uh, can't spoil... We can't like, spoil anything. But, but all I'll say is, yeah, it just continues going and you follow this main character and the problem with Sword Art Online, and like honestly I don't even want to get into it that much because it's, it's everyone's favourite to pay out. If you oh, look yeah. it up, everyone will just be like, this show is trash. But we all loved it at the start and we all kind of secretly love it right now. Uh, the main protagonist, he's just so, so overpowered. Dead, hey? uh-huh. <laughs> the main I still protagonist. keep going back. I can't believe you're still doing that. Pains me. I can't. It's like people who watch Baruto. Like, shout out to my <laughs> Baruto friends. Like, what are you doing? How are you still here? Anyway, um, Baruto is Naruto's son. Just Brett's looking at me weirdly. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah, I was like, I, I was about to correct you there. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, man. I wish that I was just saying that wrong, no, but no, it exists. Charlotte's trying to correct all of those misguided souls out there who sorry. are watching Baruto. Baruto. Stop. Please stop. Presently. Stop, stop. No, Sword Art Online is really interesting because it did change the game. And the modern isekai that I was sort of referring to in my description here all has come from Sword Art Online. So because Sword Art Online, which has sold 20 million publications of its light novel, 20 million, it is massive. And the light novel just blew up. It, the anime blew up. It is just such a, it was a That's phenomenon. Like just shy of the, of the population of Australia. Yeah. It's crazy what this anime did or what this light novel did, right? And it's absolutely massive. But my God, did it fall away so fast. And there are some pretty seriously problematic things that happened in that show. In fact, in July 2020, Sword Art Online was one of seven manga titles to be removed from books Kinokuniya in Australia for claims of promoting child pornography. So like- Really? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And there's still, there's more. They're trying to get it stripped from all. Wow. They're claiming that it's that it's depicts child exploitation stuff. Uh, the senator, I can't remember the senator's name, but he is on it. Same with No Game, No Life. There were seven. Okay, which, that's- Yeah, yeah. Like, honestly, there's a lot of content out there that uh, there's- That's worse that's, than that? Well, yeah, and that's not good though. It shouldn't be like, well, there's worse than that. It should all be. But I think. Oh, no. um, I thought I didn't mean to oh, no, finish no. a sentence. <laughs> Sorry, Brett. It's what? a tricky topic. I, you know, it's something we kind of won't really go into in too much detail because we no. want to have like an actual chat about that probably. Yeah. But um, I think that another, yeah, that is, it is super problematic. I can't, because I stopped watching it so quickly because it got so trashy. I actually haven't seen any of that content, but I'm not surprised because yeah. it does every other possible anime cringy trope that it could possibly fit into one season of anime yes and honestly the biggest the most offensive part is just how op overpowered the protagonist is yes and that's a big trope in isekai oh it's the you worst. know so like i say after the success of that light novel so many light novels just got started getting everyone was on the isekai train in fact it was so big so 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 big that in 2016 a Japanese short story contest organized by Bankaku Free Market banned any isekai stories from being entered because they were just getting that fucking many. You know, and the publisher Kondokawa banned isekai stories as well in 2017 in their manga style novel contest. It just got flooded. It was because that that just changed the game. Everyone's like, hold on. So the concept is someone gets transported into a video game and trapped there. I can write this, yeah, you know, like, like that's, a, that's a formula. And let's be real, yeah. a lot of anime fans are also gamer fans are also oh, like yeah. it's the same thing I and mean, fantasy people are just like, you know, they're honestly and usually particularly with Sword Art Online, it's a gamer kind of nerd guy who gets trapped in there. He is, we'll get onto this now, I can see Sam's eyes lighting up with this next topic, but um, 
I think it's that kind of when you put yourself it's sort of like the the trope of having twilight and having the awkward girl and the vampire thought like you know that it's like where you put yourself in their shoes and you know your market and uh isekai knows its market because this is why it is so popular but it's yeah. obviously been like flooded though flooded. Oh, it's, it, it's it's now a joke like yeah. it's just it's, a, so it's an in joke in the anime community Still, with Isakai, po- still know? popular though. Oh, there are still, so many. Popular. I mean, there the are fact some brilliant that they're green lighting so many still every season. But they want to control them, I guess, rather than have fans, you know, start to yeah, um, yeah, just flood the market. Yeah, which is exactly what happened. But just quickly before we move on, because I've we threw out a pretty serious accusation at Sword Art Online, and I'm not here to claim or uphold any of that. But the first half, of the first season of Sword Art Online, is fucking incredible. It's brilliant. And there's a reason it is what it is. There's a reason it changed the game and literally created this avalanche of Isekai and brought Isekai into the popular consciousness of the anime community and somewhat the mainstream in the West even. But there are some pretty problematic bits, especially in the second half of the first season, which is when it really starts to fall away. So if you want to check out what Isekai is, I would strongly suggest watching the first half of Sword Art Online, the first 12 episodes. They're really good. But do yourself a favor and just stop there because it does turn into harem trash. Like That's, that's a tough one though because it's, like, uh, oh, it's like saying going and, and, and watch Lost but um, mm. just so you know, everyone's dead. And, <laughs> um, it's really only good for the first two seasons. Sorry if anyone who wanted to watch Lost. Who was oh, <laughs> that's actually not the ending though. Anyway, oh, there yes. we go. Well, yeah, well, yeah, yeah. yeah lim- limbo, whatever. Honestly though, but I actually – would recommend someone watch this first season of Lost because it is the best season oh, of life. So now. good, so yeah. good. I'm watching so it now. So I'm kind great. of like Especially with some... no commercials. Perfect. Oh, the yeah. commercials are the best. You could run to your friend and be like, "Oh my god, Locke did this." And you're like, wait a second, <laughs> like hang it up and run back. Like very specific, exactly what it was like. Maybe in that's a spin-off. Um, We're talking about Lost. <laughs> Sam will just be so hectic about it, though. Sam, like John Locke, can do no wrong. And anyone who has watched Lost know that he could do a lot wrong. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. I was like, an edgy sixteen-year-old man. Like, give me a break. Come on. Come sorry. On. <laughs> um, but sort of online. Yes, Sam, you are right. The first half of the first season is incredibly entertaining and has a great world. What a cool premise as well. I know it's overdone, but it was executed very, very well at That's the start. Correct. That is correct. But yeah, there's a whole bunch of other problematic stuff in there and it does become so tropey so fast. If we're going to do an Isekai episode, we can't not talk about Sword Art Online. It would be negligence to do so. But the next one we're going to talk about, and Charlotte just touched on it, and I'm just going to give a little bit of a groundwork here to explain this. And I'm going to get Brett to do his review on the show that I got into watch because the show that I got Brett to watch is called ReZero. Now, ReZero is everything that Sword Art Online is not. It is exactly Isekai done right. It is just such an exceptional, exceptional piece of art. However, I'm going to let Brett give us his, but the thing is the main character in this, and like Charlotte said before, in Sword Art Online and in the other anime Isekai we're going to talk about, all three characters identify as either a NEET, N-E-E-T, all capitals, not employed in education or training, or hardcore gamers, Kirito in Sword Art Online and Momonga in Overlord. So the idea is being a neat or being a hikikimori, which is exactly what Subaru describes himself as being, is someone who pulls inward or being confined. It's an acute social withdrawal prevalent in young adults and teens who withdraw from society and seek extreme degrees of isolation and confinement. And it's very specific to Japan. And it's who Subaru, the lead character of ReZero, identifies as. Now, before I get deep into this whole idea, and it's a really fascinating psychological and social phenomenon, I'm going to get Brett to talk to you all about the show ReZero. Yeah, yeah. I just thought he was some some guy likes games. I didn't know there was a whole, you know, thing about it. Oh, so yeah. I'm excited to hear about that. ReZero got pretty far into the first season, really enjoying it so far. Like, it's it, it's sci-fi. This whole yeah. genre is very sci-fi. It's like a, I mean, yeah, sure, it's a fantasy world, but it's sort of like because of that story world rule change, it, it like for me, it's very much sci-fi. So just give you a little uh, recap of or rundown of what ReZero is without, I don't want to spoil it too far, but I feel like because it is so dense, I need to like explain a bit of the plot for the first yeah. sort of part it, of it. There's, so is that so okay? disclaimer here, there's one thing that Brett's about to say, which will spoil the first two episodes or the first major long episode. It's very, it's really important. Though. It is super important. Yeah. So he has to say it. If you want to go and watch ReZero and you just want to take our word for it that it's fucking amazing, skip the next 
15 minutes of this podcast and go and watch it. Oh, but seven, seven or eight minutes, mate. Seven or eight. Like, Thing is, if you've done any research about this show, it's not going to affect you if you know this plot point. No. It's, you no. Know, it's a nice shock when you don't, but at the same time, it's not going to affect anything because it's the whole premise of the whole show. So. Yeah. So, yeah, disclaimer. Subaru is, yeah, shut in gamer. He's uh, visiting his local 7-Eleven corner store to get some noodles and snacks. Very rare occurrence for him. You very quickly understand this. He doesn't get out much. Mm-hmm. And uh, then he uh, is surreptitiously transported to a fantasy world. Doesn't get hit by a truck, though, so that was news to me. <laughs> I was disappointed. I was waiting for the truck. No truck? No, very no truck could. Just, just he ends up there, like yeah. kind of blinks and he's there. Yeah, it's a really um, inauspicious one. And he's sort of in this like medieval-toned world where humans and demi-humans and exotic animals reside. And he kind of embraces it straight away. It's really funny. Like It's like, <laughs> oh, this is happening. So, oh, it, like, doesn't mention the where like the real world again. Totally embraces it. Understands all the little like tropes that are you know going yep, on. Yep, yep. He's like, you know, you must be you know NPC kind of player. It's like, all right, where's the guy who's gonna like like you know guide me through <laughs> this? Like, what are the rules to this? You know, and because he's a because he's aware of them, he expects all these things like uh, magic and mm-hmm. power, mm-hmm. and uh, like he he actually quotes where. Where'd my protagonist status go? Where's my protagonist status? And he doesn't get him straight away, which is fantastic. And I kind of feel for him because, like, as a gamer traveling to another world, you you would have certain expectations. But he doesn't, yeah, at first he doesn't get him, but he starts to meet other characters, which he thinks is all part of it. So he just goes along with it. And it's, it's a really fun um, yeah. device. It's really fun. Yeah. He meets this uh, girl called Satella, who turns out to be... Name someone else, but I won't. I won't ruin that for you. They kind of form this little partnership along with her uh, spirit companion or mana, com- mana companion mm-hmm. called Puck. And Satella is like a half human, half elf, and she kind of introduces us to like magic being in the world. She's a magic wielder, and how spirits work. And they work together to track down Belt, who has allegedly stolen something from Satella. Um, a kind of a sigil or a badge. And there's a lot more in there, but that's, you know, as um, loose as I wanted to keep it. Um, and as they go searching the slums at night, essentially he is killed. <laughs> Whoa. And Whoa. she's killed, like gruesomely disemboweled, killed. And I'm like, oh, whoa. And then all of a sudden he wakes up at the beginning of where his journey started into this fantasy world and everything has gone back to zero. Yes. Re zero. Zero. What an awesome like concept. It's such a good concept. It's a save point. I mean, it's been used. Yep, it's but, been used. But, but, oh yeah. It's a save. Groundhog Day, but it's yeah. Well, that was one of my references. <laughs> yes, enough. indeed. Yeah, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge Groundhog of Tomorrow Day. is actually yeah. a really interesting one. Yeah. So yeah, he returns to a save point. Having just like a game, all the knowledge that he had from the previous encounter, although at, f- at first he doesn't actually realise it's happening. Yes. It's yes. not until the third or fourth death that he's like, oh, oh, I'm resetting back to this point. So like Groundhog Day, you, yeah. you that's how they um, explain it to you. And as he goes along, he seems to be recruiting some pretty badass friends. Uh, he, he meets this guy, Reinhardt, who's a master swordsman. Felt, who's this young rogue, who's the one who stole the badge, and the aforementioned Satella, who's a half-elf mage. And they encounter, I'll just say the main antagonist for argument's sake, Elsa, and they have a big-ass fight. And that's kind of the first part. Yeah, I, I think I'll leave episode, it there yeah. because then it, yeah. it evolves from there. But it, it's that's kind of the, the, as you would expect from a like a resetting kind of story, yes. There, I, it, it goes on to explain, like it goes on to another part or another story thread, so that yes. they can keep resetting back to the beginning and try to yes, he can try to work things out. And his his save point, so to speak, changes as he seems to clear points in the story, which is kind of a new thing because yeah. often people in the reset genre, it's a real thing, yeah, uh, yeah. go back to the same point, whereas he gets further and further, which yeah. is like a game, like a video game. Yeah. The yeah. other thing about this power, without spoiling too much, is that he can't tell anyone about it because every time he tries to tell someone about it, black hands shoot out of the nether and nearly kill him. So he tries to go, I can, uh, uh, you know. Yeah. And then, so that's a whole thing. And I, that's a part of that mystery. It's a great device that you That really can't. sold it to me, actually. Because yeah. yeah. I was like, why isn't he just now? I was like, someone? oh my God. Okay. So, yeah. 
Now, what is great? And I'm going I'm to make a big call here. I'm going to say it right now for everyone listening and for you two in this room that ReZero is in my top three animes of all time and in my top 10 things Very crowded top of three. all time. <laughs> I just, all right. I just think it's that fucking good. So it's up there okay? with Haikyuu and Attack on Titan. It's Attack on Titan, Full Metal Alchemist Brotherhood, and ReZero has pipped oh, Haikyuu yeah. in my top three. Yeah, yeah. So, like, I just think it's that fucking good. Wow. Poor volleyball team. They're trying their best. They have hey, no look, superpowers. Hey, the next, the next no one can reset. Oh There's a wholesome team, Sam. Let look, them yeah. be. Hirata can't go back to game one, mate. Uh, <laughs> no. Maybe right, they can. We just don't know. <laughs> There's a twist oh, coming in IQ, oh, people. God. <laughs> Here's the thing. Like, I, I only watched this quite recently, actually. And at the time of this podcast recording, the second season is underway of ReZero. But I'd missed the boat on this. This aired it in was, 2016. It was like four years ago it, that the yeah, first season, first season came aired out. in 2016. And again, this is another one which started off as a light novel, an online light novel, which is quite interesting. It's just a massive, massive deconstruction of the isekai genre. And this is the thing that's so interesting about it. Because as you say, Brett, he goes all in. As soon as Subaru is in there, he's kind of funny. He's actually like ha-ha funny. He's so bit of a gregarious hikikimori, so to speak. But the thing about it is that also what's great about this show, and as you keep watching it, Brett and Charlotte, you guys haven't finished season one yet, but all I'll say is that he is a deeply human character and he is so flawed and he keeps up and dying literally and also horrifically dying it's like it starts sort of starts off as this like i remember watching it and everyone was like re-zero you gotta watch re-zero and i found myself in tasmania during COVID 19 and i heard season two was coming out and i was like oh shit i should probably get around to watching this thing i'm really behind the eight ball and i smashed the whole thing in two days and i remember watching the first half of the first episode and it is one of the most anime animes that are out there as far as the aesthetic is concerned it's like there couldn't be it's anything tropey. Else. It's, it couldn't, very it's, tropey. it's deliberately tropey but it's very it aware looks, of itself it's so aware of itself yeah. the style and the artwork is so anime that it's like not yeah. as funny yeah. it's, like, it's almost like how that nostalgia genre of like jurassic world has sort of taken yeah. things it's, it, it it takes the piss out of itself. Yeah. Example, I, but this one doesn't seem to lose any heart while doing it. No, it's what's interesting. Well, I wonder if um, just on that, like really quickly, just in terms of recommendation, whether you have to be somewhat familiar with anime in general to actually appreciate what it's doing. I think it Like helps. it might not be a gateway for or that yeah, exact no, reason. No, no. Or gaming. Yeah, or gaming. Yeah, gaming yeah, yeah. as well. It's, uh, it's role, actually, role I genuinely, game. like when I was watching it recently, my partner, so I keep on just claiming I have a boyfriend, guys. Um, <laughs> Oh, I, I did it I, all first season and guys, she's going to be on soon. Yeah, so exactly. guys, sorry, episode, uh, Brett, I and Sam are all taken, so can you stop just sliding into my DMs? That'd be really good, <laughs> thanks. Sorry about it. <laughs> no, I'm joking, my God. Anyway, hello. My partner and I are watching it and he's actually not that into anime. I forced him to watch a bunch of things and he's into it now. He was kind of half watching this one and what really got him is how creepy this show is. Yeah. And it really takes you by surprise. Like genuinely, yeah. I think the soundtrack oh and God. the visuals and everything that goes along with it is truly like – because as we're saying, it starts off really kind of like dorky, like oh, blah, 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 and he's very funny. And yeah. it's also quite refreshing because he doesn't get away with being a protagonist. He's got like, you know, he doesn't have like, he. I mean, he has the ultimate plot armor in which yes. he can survive death, but his deaths are not chill. Like oh. they are horrifying. He yes. goes through a lot. He sees his friends dies. His friends sometimes kill him. Like shit goes really wrong it's for Subaru. And the thing is, it's realist. As, as you say, Charlotte, that's what's so interesting about it is that like he has an ultimate power so to speak but otherwise he's just kind of a shitty ass guy yeah. in this world that he has got no business being in they can't even speak their language yeah he's just trying or his best read their language yeah you can't read it you can for some reason they understand him but yeah I've never quite understood oh that, my god plot hole in this, this <laughs> thing like oh yeah, i think we'll we'll let that one slide. yeah that we do but what this really is is a meditation on trauma is what this show actually gets itself oh my, down into it's what right. it is here we go the thing is i mean subaru's character goes through so much as you get further as you two go along and if you watch this show he just goes through so much and it's not like oh like a video game where it's like oh i died next it's like no 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 he no, feels this dying, yeah. and he takes it with him every step of the way i remember watching the first episode and I, you know i'd seen all the reddit threads and i'd read all the things on mal and i'd heard all the talk about this show and i watched the first episode and i was like fuck you anime I mean, community fuck you all god damn it this is why people have a bad name for us and the second episode happened and i was like oh and then I just smashed the whole thing and I was like, no, this is just as good as everyone says it is. In fact, it's better. I, with with yeah. these sorts of uh, styles of storytelling, like it, it's always about embracing, well, not embracing death, but embracing your life so that death doesn't, yeah. isn't the end, yeah. I guess. Like it's like your, your legacy is your life. So I guess it's going along the same thing as like Groundhog Day and Edge of Tomorrow where they 
try to do the right thing while they're alive and yeah the consequences are what's well, um, at least reset and the thing is i mean he's a, he is a deconstruction subaru of the prototypical isekai protagonist you know apart from his major powers we said before he's just completely ordinary and he just takes a long time to come to terms with his averageness you know and he addresses his own self-hatred quite a few times in the series and again, he actually in season two has a really great moment. I won't spoil too much, but he has a moment where he actually addresses his hikikimori nature. Yeah, because it's not. I didn't realize that when you said that. I thought he was just a gamer. Like oh, I know, yeah, no, it, I'm very. A lot of anime do delve into this, but I didn't know until you talked about this that he yeah, was. It's it, not a spoiler. It's just no, something I didn't pick up he on. He says it straight away. But it, in the second season, it takes a long time. But he, they actually really get into it. And the show has no business being that good. You know what I mean? It's like it's a big fantasy sort of tropey. Hilarious drama, also a meditation on depression and also a great analysis of what it is to be a hikikimori, you know, and it's just before I jump on to what that actually entails and before I really break that apart, because I think it's really interesting and I think it goes hand in hand with this entire genre. Napai Nagatsuki is the writer and he has a separate illustrator called Shinchiro Otsuka. But when Nagatsuki was asked why he's so brutal to his characters and does he enjoy gouging the hearts of his readers out, Nagatsuki replied, I'm not gouging their hearts because it's fun to do so. I'm gouging their hearts as one way to have fun. There are various other ways to have fun. Is there anyone who would actively do something that's not enjoyable? You weren't taught that the thing people hate most is taking the initiative? <laughs> like, that is such a crazy thing. Like, taking the initiative is something that people fucking hate to do a lot of the time. You know, it's, yeah, like, it's taking pure responsibility for oneself. And that's what the show keeps teaching us over and over and over again is that at the end of the day, he is a powerless person in the face of huge, overwhelming power, which he has no right being in the middle of. But he's got no choice but to get the fuck through it. And he has to through horrific trauma. So honestly, long story short, watch the shit out of this show, people. I can't tell you hard enough. Uh, you're right, Charlotte, is difficult in respect to you probably need to watch, have watched a bit of anime. And if you've got through the first season of our show, hopefully you've watched a bit, but... This is It'd be kind of strange you if you watch. haven't, to be honest. I'd be like, why are you still here? Why are you still, why why are you you still obsessed here? with me? Stop. Okay. <laughs> um, no, I do think that, yes, it's a really good deconstruction of also just like to be just thrown out there, like toxic masculinity with yeah, Subaru. Yeah, kind of Like people owe you things. Like Amelia, he's into her. She's there. It's like this This person is here for me. Like, yeah, sorry, yeah. that was a spoiler of a name. Don't worry. The character he meets. Oh, I tried to keep it. <laughs> I mean, it's not really like, a spoiler. It's not too bad. Yeah. yeah. Um, I do think that... It's a huge call to say it's, you know, top three animes. Um, well, it is. It is. But, I just wonder yeah. because I think it's like, to me, it's like a meta pull apart of a very specific thing, which I think is cool. Like, yeah, we're like dissecting it. We're looking at it, but I just don't think it's up there with the top tier that you talked about before. Sure. I don't think it might have the longevity to be so. And I think I, that. I wonder when you finish, when you're up to where I am, we'll have to have another conversation about this because at the moment you haven't seen it. So you kind of comment. Yeah, and also I just got to say Bye. quickly, people have to listen. What I've got so far is that, yes, we're deconstructing his character and making that to toxic masculinity stuff and a lot does happen and he has to kind of like look at himself. But there's also a couple of characters in there cementing that he's special. The power itself cements that he's special. I'm not sure it's quite doing the best job at completely taking that away from him. It's not perfect in that respect, no. But So I would argue good, that, I that, don't know. Fair, but that is a really good segue into what I want to talk about before and that is to talk about the concept of the hikikimori, okay? Yes. And I mentioned it before. Now, when I say it's someone who shuts in, so a lot of the time it's someone who, and it generally comes on in later life, so late adolescence, early young adulthood, but essentially estimates suggest that around there are half a million adolescents and more than half a million middle-aged individuals who identify as hikikimori in Japan. So that's, again, pulling inwards those who get confined to their room and generally don't leave for anything, which is what Subaru is. Now, they often start as a futoko, which is those who refuse to go to school. And that's exactly how Subaru starts. He just stops going to school. Actually, the uh, literary communication scholar Flavio Rizzo describes Hikikimori as a postmodern hermit whose solitude stems from ancestral desires for withdrawal. So it's a really interesting thing. So figures released in 2010 suggest that there are more than 700,000 people living as hikikimori in Japan. The average age is 31. Government estimates in 2010 suggest that 1.5 million people 
but on the verge of becoming hikikimori. So it's a seriously big thing. Yeah, a lot I mean, of questions. I'm, I'm sure we have them across all nations. Absolutely. We just haven't given them an actual. Yeah, I mean, no, but it's or over, overwhelmingly yeah. uh, very Japanese. much Japanese. Sure. And also South specific. Korean. Also South Korean. Interesting. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Do but, they? Do they? I guess one question I have is like compared to hermits. Hermits, in a lot of ways, always. My understanding is they always had some sort of contribution, whether it was artistic or, mm-hmm. or written. Like, is there still some sort of contribution to society? Well, it's interesting because the, I mean, the social withdrawal is actually similar to people with autism spectrum disorder. So a lot of the symptoms right. come from uh, are closely associated with that, but they also share some similar traits to people suffering PTSD. Right. right. Uh, so it can affect both genders. However, most reported cases are from upper middle class families and most typically the eldest son in a family. So it's, it's more prevalent in males, but it's not. There are female hikikomori also. But the three primary factors in hikikomoris are middle class affluence. Middle class affluence in a post-industrial society such as Japan allows parents to support and feed an adult child seemingly indefinitely. So lower income families don't tend to have hikikomori children because someone socially withdrawing in a low income house has to go out and work. You've got no choice. So it's an interesting thing that it's actually affluence can lead to it. Well, it's actually a predicating factor. Yeah. You must because... It's perpetuated by it. Yeah, exactly. And then the inability of Japanese parents to recognize and act upon the youth slide into isolation and soft parenting or the codependence between mother and son, which is a factor called amai, is a major, major part of it as well because the family often sometimes are ashamed to admit that it's happening to yeah, their child. Yeah, especially with an eldest son who yes. has a lot of weight in the... Yeah. Yeah. And so they they can actually enable it and, you know, keep feeding them and obviously providing the room in which they live. It's a really interesting phenomenon. And also, yeah, of course... It totally happens on a small scale everywhere, though. It does. think of, like, oh, so many people totally, just kind of yeah. like, yeah. Totally. And it's that pressure thing. to, like, to... Yes. Yeah, it, yes. it's... Yeah. So, I mean, well, yeah, over a decade of flat economic indicators and a shaky job market in Japan makes the pre-existing system requiring years and years of competitive schooling for elite jobs appear really pointless to a lot of these kids mm-hmm. and young adults. And I'll talk a little bit more about that in a second, but that's what's really interesting about this. And internet and gaming addictions are prevalent in hikikimoris, but it's not synonymous. They definitely exacerbate the problem, but it's not, it's not always the case. They don't go hand in hand. However, it is something that is often the case. I think it's about in f- over 40 to 50%. They're also internet addicts. And, and on a very yeah, basic level. Yeah, or obsessed with isekai, like to go well, real yeah. meta. Yeah, well, yeah, it's well, a just whole the, thing. Just on a basic level, I guess it's just like, yeah, escapism quite intensely. Yeah, it's like, absolutely. Yeah. And the fact that all three of the main characters of these isekais we're talking about either identify as a Hikikimori one and two hardcore gamers as the others. So it's, you know, and also, as we just mentioned before, the brutal Japanese education system often triggers this. And the education system in Japan is pretty crazy. In fact, most students take a full year off after they finish high school to exclusively study for the university entrance exams, which are notoriously difficult. They like, should just do what I do. It's and, hardcore. And um, just like I did for this podcast, like cram it like an hour or two before I had to be here. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I, reckon, I reckon they might have thought of that. Hey, might have just been uh, pretty hard, pretty hard. <laughs> Yeah, there's actually just on the side note a really, really good anime that really delves into this called Welcome to the NHK. Yes. And yes. it is follows it's a slice of life anime yeah. that follows a Hikikomori and how he deals with his life and how he kind of tries to break the pattern. And it is it's a it's pretty awful watch as in like it's so uncomfortable, you feel so sorry for him and it's like very hard because he's a very frustrating character. Yes. Similar to Subaru, yes. except just without any magic powers. He's still a then like tries to convince himself that there's something else happening. It's like a... Yes. With ReZero, like uh, we mentioned Ed, Edge of Tomorrow and Groundhog Day definitely because of that repeat aspect. Look, Tenet, if you liked it, it's got a, that sort of meta time travel repetition thing going on and it's current. Won't get into that right now. Lost, lost. you could put Lost in there if you know what the ending is. Like it oh, essentially yeah. is like... No, totally. Yeah. What about Russian Doll? Have you got that one on there? Oh, Russian Doll. No, I didn't. I Because I don't know it that well. Yeah, so, that literally yeah. is Groundhog Day, but she dies on her 40th birthday and she keeps on resetting. So it's a reset. Right. That's not a spoiler. That happens in the first literal yeah. two seconds of the show. It's very good, very funny, dark comedy, good, but it's about her sorting herself out as well. It's good. The Matrix and also Jumanji is a good one. Oh, my God, Jumanji is an isekai. Especially the yeah. new one. Yeah. yeah. True. Very oh true. Oh, my it's God. It's isekai in the old one, like with uh, Robin Williams. Yeah, but they come into the sort world of. as well. It's like a both. But, yeah, it is. But he goes there. Yeah, anyway. 
Was there an um, animated series that followed his adventures in Jumanji? I think there was. I don't know. Yeah, 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 yeah. There absolutely was. Yeah, cool. Just throwing it out there. Still look, if you hasn't. Liked, if you like Final Fantasy, like. Oh, yeah, any games. Gonna, yeah, any big any, RPG, any RPG, JRPGs. Games, yeah. Yeah, so it's, it's really interesting. That's going to bring us to our very last isekai that we're going to talk about. But I'll just hit one more thing here on the Kikimori because it's important to relay this information for the last one and the sort of a theory that I've got. I mean, the dominant nexus of Hikikimori centers on that transformation from youth and to the responsibilities of adult life. So as with many modern industrialized societies, Japan exerts a great deal of pressure on the adolescents to be successful and perpetuate the status quo. You know, it's traditionally strong emphasis on complex social conduct, rigid hierarchies, and the resulting multitude of societal expectations, responsibilities, and duties in modern Japanese society contribute to the pressure on young adults. It's interesting because that leads us to the last one we have here, which is called Overlord. Now, Overlord. I have so many issues with this anime. And it sort of does everything that I don't like about all of this. Now, I'll just read you what it is. So- he's literally like, he's literally hand scrawled an angry letter. Like I can see he got <laughs> oh, yeah, more and more angry as he went along. So <laughs> pay yourself for this. All right. So I'll give this enough. Like is this like a, a, a Sam sledge? Is it- I'm going to have a bit of a sledge here. All right. Okay. But I'm also going to try and ground it in all the information that I had before. Because I have a slight theory here, but I'm not sure if I'd like to test it. I'd like to test it out. But Overlord. In the year 2126, an exceptionally immersive online role-playing game called Yuka Drazel was released to the world, standing out from all its competitors due to the exceptionally immersive and interactive nature. Now, after 12 years, the game's servers are due to be shut down after an intensive and successful run. Now, within the game exists a guild, Ains al Goon, once consisting of 41 members who were considered some of the best players in the game, making Ains one of the strongest ever guilds in the game's history. However, at the game's end, there are only four members left, namely the one, the skeletal overlord, if you will, Momonga, who has a rather average middle management type life in real life. You know, someone who sort of seems finds himself not doing much and pretty depressed, if you will. Not a hikikimori, but someone who openly says, my life isn't great. This is the best thing going for me in my life. But he's basically struggling to let go of this game because that's how he identifies himself. So he's the final guild leader maintaining their headquarters, the great tomb of Nazarick. Is this like what happened with uh, World of Warcraft with people? Like, this is, this, yeah. is a, this is what I'm about to start talking about. But yeah, and in the final minutes before the servers to Yuka Drazel are to be shut down, he invites the other three remaining guild members to say one last farewell to the game that brought them so much joy. Only one member appears before logging out very briefly after their interaction. This greatly saddens Momonga and he now finally accepts his friends have moved on with their lives and it's time to say goodbye to the world of Yukadrazel. However, he decides to stay logged in until they shut down the servers. When the shutdown arrives, Momonga finds that the game hasn't vanished. Instead, it seems as though Yukadrazel has been recreated into its own reality with the various NPCs of their tomb being brought to life. Momonga is now trapped as his in-game character slash avatar, if you will, leaving him unable to access normal player functions like general message or logout. He just decides to adopt this world as his own and his existence in the real world is depressing and uninspiring. And in this world is this unfathomably powerful, brutally OP mage. And he just basically sets about fucking shit up. And it's kind of interesting because it's a, it's a male power fantasy is what this is. Exactly what this is. And he is so fucking powerful and he does everything. So the psychology behind it is kind of interesting because it's like, what would you do if you were a god? And consequences didn't matter. And it's interesting because he kind of is the bad guy. Like he just does really fucked up shit. And it's my problem with this show is I get why it exists, right? I get why it appeals to a certain group of people because power fantasies are interesting. At the end of the day, the universe is entirely indifferent to our plight. None of us are special. We're all just Sisyphus doomed to push the rock up the hill only to have it roll down again as it gets to the top. I understand that cosmically nothing matters. Sam, cool. Yeah, sweet. Just throw your like hectic existential philosophy that you've claimed is the entire truth for everyone feels on our anime podcast. But I mean, cool. <laughs> sure. Overlord's a bad anime. It is. Okay, but, but it's like, are there any other, so there's no other human characters in there. There's nothing for him to Does he know that? relate to. No, no. He goes off searching for other players. That's sort of his initial impetus to go off and find all these people. But at the end of the day, he just finds that he is a god 
and can just dominate and destroy everything in his path. So he just does that. Does he learn anything from it? Not really. So that's the thing. Like, I feel like yeah. it's an interesting premise if he was like, but instead I can imagine knowing a lot of the fan base of anime and a lot of things, that, and not even just anime, a lot of people who get off on this kind of thing in general, yeah. the power stuff. If it's kind of like a, like ReZero, where they turn it back in your face, if they don't do that, then it's hugely problematic and really boring. So I might it's, pass it on it. It doesn't sound like, yeah, there's anything. It's just about, it's not, because it's not a critique. Is, on that. Like a there's week. nothing interesting. I mean, I guess it's an, a potentially Premise. interesting cycle. Like the first season, I was like, this is kind of cool. It's really well animated. Madhouse, which did One Punch Man season one, you know, it looks fantastic. But to me, it's just so fucking boring if, if they designed it for him to become a more humble human to to take that out into his real world i don't know it's like is there any of that like the, well, to, to... it deliberately it one thing i'll give it credit for it knows what it is and it just goes all in on it it doesn't it doesn't deal with any kind of moral ambiguity or oh what have i just done it's just he just goes yeah fuck it and just starts fucking shit up like so for me it's like i get it i understand and it doesn't apologize for that and it doesn't try to be anything that it's not but like for me, the key to all storytelling, especially in TV, is win-loss. Balancing win-loss, right? That's a whole key component of writing a good television Absolutely. series. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and that conflict no has to come from something that's relatable. And, Correct. Yeah. Like if I wanted to do that, I'd just play The Sims again when I was nine, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's yeah. sort of what it is. Like, With sheets on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. What was it? Um, yeah, that was it. Yeah. And Rosebud was also one, but it was not so good. Anyway, sorry, spoilers for Sims. <laughs> Sims 2? Like, I don't, okay. But I feel that this kind of thing is, I can see why it appeals to Hikikimori and the sort of people who feel disempowered in their own lives, feel hopeless and pointless in their existence and think that, yeah, what if I was just some kind of God? But I feel that this is a dangerous message to send to people. You know what I mean? I don't think it does good things. I don't think it's a particularly intelligent. Sure, it's an examination of what happens when one is gifted with too much power, but it doesn't do it intelligently. It's not, it's not about how will he possibly persevere through this horrible obstacle that's been placed before him. What's no, that no, old, no. Uh, He'll dominate that it. Quote, power corrupts. Absolute yeah. power corrupts. And absolutely. That's what they're trying to do. But at the same time, it's like, it's not about how he overcomes obstacles. It's how cool and stylishly he just dominates them. It sounds like most of the 90s in any medium. Like, this is something that is so. Like entrenched in our mainstream media yes. as well, so it's just like I, yeah, I have no time for it. Neither like do we're I. off I it, please stop. It. Thank you. Like, but I mean, Hikikomori is obviously a very extreme thing that exists in people. But I do think it's highly relatable. Even for I hear that, and I'm like, sometimes I wanted to shut off from the world. Like, this isn't a big judgment. Like, sometimes no. I'd love to be transported into like some vampire universe, where I could like date some hot vampire guy and like totally. be his lover. Exist. Well, there you go, like, guys. You got Sam's uh, top three this week and part of his bottom three. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just uh, it's just something that really pisses me off because thinking about peak television, we figured out that preferencing loss makes for good drama. You know, it's inherently good in drama. Game of Thrones, perfect example. Uh, Walking Dead, perfect example. Lot of loss. ReZero, Attack on Titan, wonderfully preferenced in the loss department. But Overlord, fuck me, it's just win, 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 win. How cool can I win? And you're right, Charlotte. It's something that is was prevalent in the 80s and 90s in, in storytelling. And they've, it's only been really in the last 15, 20 years that peak television and most formats have decided that, hey, hold on, that's nowhere near as, it's not as human. It's two-dimensional. You don't, we don't just win all the time. Hey. You know, it's very interesting. But the Hikikimori thing fascinates me. And the fact that this genre not only, I think, appeals to people who feel disempowered and, and lost in their lives, but also literally focuses on them as the protagonists. So it's a really interesting thing. And I think if you want to go and look up or look at documentaries on Hikikimori, it's a really fascinating phenomenon. And you're right. It's not just in Japan. There are stories coming out of Europe. There are stories coming out of Canada, Australia. It's very difficult to diagnose psychologically, right? Because it's a lot of it can be mis misrepresented in depression or anxiety oh. and whatnot. But however, it's, it's a very specific subset of people who identify as this particular thing and it's so it makes it very difficult to diagnose clinically so it's just a fascinating thing and to me isekai and hikikimori are intrinsically linked to a degree and especially with the fact that the three that we brought up and many many others all of their main characters identify in some form or another with those who at least have hikikimori tendencies yeah cool well thanks sam that was a really good in-depth into isekai which is something that I kind of avoid like the plague whenever I'm watching seasonal anime. But, yeah. you know, I learnt my lesson by not watching ReZero, so <laughs> I should give it a shot. I just I, yeah, if, re if anything's 
like anything else like ReZero, yeah, I'll get some suggestions from you guys because I really like it. Yes. Uh, you started too too good. It, it, it's yeah. no, it, that's, that's it. Well, I don't want to watch anything else. <laughs> no, no, there is nothing Honestly, else. Honestly? It's even close. Yeah. Maybe the first half of Sword Art Online. Oh, yeah, I yeah, sold that. That's really really I think I'll do something else that day. Like. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's it's a kind of nutshell, people. Accidental travel. Or travel to a parallel universe. Man, when I accidentally travel, I just end up like in the wrong suburb. <laughs> I, I've been cheated out oh, of a whole life. That's why you're 15 minutes late. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah all right, all right. <laughs> I'm just isekai my way through Sydney. Sorry, guys. Whoa. No, all right. Well, thank you very much, everybody. I hope you learned a little bit about isekai. And if you want to get more into it, watch ReZero. I mean, you know, just start there. Don't, don't worry about getting it. I mean, if you want to start a little bit more, yeah, you could probably watch something like Konosuba, which is a bit of fun. But honestly, just just jump into ReZero and, and off you go. Mm. And next week, we're going to be talking about manga versus comics. Hey. Next, we're going to get a very good friend of ours in Graham Aitken, who is a massive comic fan. And we're going to pick his brain about DC and Marvel, which, of course, are the cornerstones of the Western comic book world. And we're going to talk to him about manga. Okay, so how many manga do I have to read before now and then? You know what? Just None. all of it. No, I'm joking. Just, just bring okay. yourself, Freddie. Oh, okay, cool. Bring yourself. Hey, look, thanks everyone so much. I hope you learned a bit about Isekai, and I look forward to catching you all next week. Sam, what are you what are you watching in this season of anime? What are you watching this week? What am I watching this week? ReZero season two, of mm-hmm. course. No Guns Life season two. Is that the one with the guy with a machine gun for a face? He has a gun for a head. He's a private investigator. It's a noir mystery story, and difference is he just has a great big gun for a head that's right that's anime for you otherwise i'm watching the god of high school otherwise known as tournament arc the anime which is nothing more than a bit of silly fun i dropped it i don't blame you it's it is what it is uh, i'm also watching decadence which is really cool really cool show actually a lot of fun it's something different i'm not going to say anything because anything i say can spoil it so i would just say if you're looking at something which doesn't quite appear to be what you think it is decadence d-e-c-a dash d-e-n-c-e really cool show Really worth watching. I'm watching uh, Rent a Girlfriend. I'm not kidding. I literally watched. You're eight. watching yeah. Rent a um, So I read it. Sometimes Sam and I message each other, just like, "Oh my god, why is this so highly rated? It yes. looks like trash." Rent a Girlfriend, not actually that bad. Also, kind of deconstructing this sort of stuff we're talking about with ReZero, but in a real life slice of life setting. Okay. So okay. it is sort of interesting. It's very frustrating to watch, and I wouldn't say it's groundbreaking. And it's where I, uh, I, I think there could be something in it. I might just be trash, and I probably just am, but um, <laughs> there's that. Also, Fruits Basket Season 2, obviously so good. If you want something about mm-hmm. grief, that is the best, and I want to watch The Great Pretender. That's on my to-watch list. I've watched The Great Pretender. It's absolutely fantastic. It's on Netflix. It's a Netflix original, actually. It's about con artists. It's absolutely great. Check that out. Strongly suggest it. And I'm just watching my alcohol intake. <laughs> I stopped watching that years ago. <laughs> That got past me, you know. I dropped it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Thank Thanks, you. everyone. Bye. Catch you next week. Bye.